Oh dear. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Podcast with Paul. <laughs> We've got interesting insights guaranteed, and it's time to increase your emotional intelligence. Are we up for increasing our emotional intelligence, listeners? Let's have lots of joy and fun and excitement for sure. Hey, I've got some really special guests along the way. Interesting people, really challenging ideas and challenging conversations. It's going to be amazing. You can learn more about what to do, why to do what to do, and what to do about it all. (laughs) So much fun becoming self-aware, motivated, alive, learning new ways to see the world. Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast with Paul. Ah, welcome everyone, it's time for Podcast with Paul yet again. And who do I have on the the other side of me? It's the Mr. Ben. Ben, hello Ben, it's the afternoon, it's just after two and you've come in to do a bit of podcasting with Paul. Welcome Ben. Thank you. Um, happy to be here. <laughs> you, you're happy, but you're a little bit. Little bit what, what are we doing? And we just we just had that little conversation. That, hey, we've never done this before. And you, and and you said, no, I've never done this before. You've got the headphones on and you're talking. And you go, why are we doing this? And I just thought that you we had a little chat about the fact that we're doing it because it's sort of a snapshot of time, a time of where you've come along and said, okay, I'll accept the idea that I'll have a chat. And you said. To me, something interesting. I thought, if I was to listen to this chat back again in ten years' time, how would I think, and what difference that would make, and how did that reflect about who I am? And I was saying to myself when you said that, I said, we really don't know where we're going to be in ten years' time. We really don't. We might assume to think that we have some some way of knowing, but in the truth, the truth of the matter is, we really we really don't quite know because you did say to me that. You didn't know you'd be where you are now 10 years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. 10 years ago, I had far less idea about where the future would hold, you know, your mid, mid-30s or early 30s. Early 30s. And, um, and yeah, you definitely, um, your view on life changes, you know, your family changes, and your aims in life change. And if you asked me 10 years whether I'd be in the position I am in now, No. No, it's, it is it is quite it's quite interesting. I look at that sometimes in a daily basis because I find myself doing things that I expect to do or what I think I'm going to do tomorrow, but then sometimes it doesn't quite eventuate. You don't know, and I know that we've experienced COVID, and uh, I had planned holidays and I had planned things to do and and how you were going to do them, and you were thinking what you were going to do, and then along comes this COVID thing, and it changes everything, and. It just proves the point that maybe we're not in control. Maybe we're trying to put our best foot forward. But really, putting our best foot forward may be a place of going, okay, I'm going to surrender to this and allow what happens to come toward me as long as I can maybe be opportunistic in my approach and being available to what can happen and keep my place and my brain in a positive place to be able to approach that as the best way I can. And I've seen you... Ben, as an example of that, you've sort of had this positiveness about you or this acceptance of responsibility comfortably and not comfortably all the time, but most of the time you're going, if I asked you how you're going and how's the workload and how's the family life, you come back with a positive response. Do you know why you do that? Is that something that you got from your family or is it something that you know about yourself? 
Yes, I do. I tend to react to everything positive. I think it's important to get through all the negatives and the, the life negatives you mentioned about Ukraine and, and COVID and all these negative things that impact our lives. I don't see the point in hanging up on negative things. I think the important part of, of my life is acknowledging the positives and working towards the next positive. Um, whether that's in the workplace, whether that's in my private life with my child or my wife, whether it's with my friends, you know, like yourself. It's it's all about looking at the best angle to get the best outcome to improve how I live my life or how other people live their lives because I can't see the point in doing it any other way. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I mean, the, the place of maybe giving up of some of those constraints or complaints that we might be feeling are in our minds. If we were just to share those complaints all the time and we're going to approach a conversation with, oh, I need to complain now, the place of where that complaint can come from is a place which is not adding value or helping anyone. It's not helping ourselves. It's not helping the situation. It's just a complaint. And I was interested this morning, I heard a distinction around a complaint and it was the hot soup analogy. The hot soup analogy was you could go to a restaurant and you could receive the soup and it's cold. And you could look at that soup and say, well, the soup's cold and look for blame. So then you want to make someone responsible for the cold soup. So that becomes a response that is a reactive one where you might get angry with the either waitress or you get angry with the restaurant or you start to say to your partner who you're having dinner with or whoever you're there with, this bloody soup's cold. Now, that's a reactive approach that is a complaint. However, just complaining about the cold soup doesn't necessarily mean that your soup's going to get hot. No. <laughs> so sometimes the way to deal with that is not in the place of complaint, but to recognise the soup is cold. And maybe when the waiter comes back, say, could you please warm my soup up? And in that, there's not an emotional response to that. It actually creates change through an instruction that's not a chaotic complaint about why it should be different but just acknowledging it isn't the way you'd like it to be and could you please address it by making my soup hot, please. And that's a way that you sometimes treat life, especially with the chaos of what industry we're in. Indeed. And I know, I know a lot of... But somehow I've noticed you when the boys come and, and hit you with the complaint or whatever it is, you sort of take the complaint on board, but you don't add value of complaint back and you don't add drama to the complaint. And you were talking to me about why people might do that and why there's a need to validate their complaint or validate their position. But you as a manager now, and I know you're running the show over there at eSafe, a very good company to run, eSafe, all you at eSafe, um, listen to this because <laughs> well, I hope you do because uh, this is good information. But uh, I tell you what, as we all know, you guys from eSafe, Ben has the ability to take on everyone's drama and sort of make us feel a bit more at ease with it and then make choices and de decisions based on how to deal with the problem, form a strategy about how to deal with it. And is that, I think, I'm not sure, but I've seen you learn how to do that rather than you being that way at the start. Uh, how, if, you, if you know what I mean, because I remember you were, a little, you were a little bit reactive early on, but how long has it been now? I know you started at eSafe. How were you when you started, Ben? I started in 2006 as a electrical test and tag technician. What, what are you a teenager or something? <laughs> I reckon. 2006. I reckon I must have been 20, 19 or 20. Yeah, and and you started as a as a, as a technician and you were going to go around and, and you <laughs> we had a different way of doing it back then. <laughs> oh, 
Yes. <laughs> Archaic. <laughs> Didn't we have trolleys of some sort? <laughs> heavy trolleys, heavy machines, lifting up stack. I mean, OH&S nightmare. But we did it, and we made yes. some good money. And, yes. Uh, you know, for somebody like me who didn't excel in study in high school and, you know, I was able to get a job and, and make something of it and make some money and uh, that was the start. Mm. Yeah, that that willingness to accept what I noticed about you, which is unique, I think, in some individuals, but your ability to, to accept responsibility and not to buy into the chaos has sort of given you a, a possibility of being an organiser and you, you started just automatically organising pretty early on. And so you had, I know that you built teams around you. And I, I don't doubt that was just an automatic thing that you did because leadership come to you and uh, you wanted to get the job done and you wanted to get it done efficiently and effectively. And so you organised things. I think it was born out of frustration, um, to be brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> often, often does. Because <laughs> um, when I started with the eSafe, the management in the eSafe arm of the business was frustrating is probably the only word I could use for it. And it's not a personal attack on the person that was there at the time. Great person, you know, okay manager. But I believe that person was on the wrong journey for them. And and in hindsight, you look back and that person actually went on to a different journey. And now he's a doctor. There you um, go. See, that's it, isn't it? it? You don't know when a person moves from one place to another, it's actually a good design. It doesn't have to be an, a, a, something that's negative. It can certainly be a positive period. But you've noticed that for a lot of times with a lot of people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, and in that frustration, he wasn't necessarily the greatest manager of what we were doing, but he turned out to be a doctor. And that was my opportunity. I remember back then uh, there was me and there was this manager who had a best friend as well who worked for us and I was getting married and I'm thinking, oh, you know, this could be the start of my life, you know, to really put some solid things down to move up in the world. But my number one worry was how was I going to be better than the next guy to get this role? <laughs> you got to think, oh, I've got to, be out, I've got to be able to think outside the square, but also I have to... I have to think, okay, is it competitive? Because when you're young, you know you're competing. It's you're on the field and you need to sit, you know, you need to go and get the ball and you need to know and kick some goals. And the place of competitiveness is still part of your nature and who you are, especially at that young age. But you're thinking to yourself, which is interesting because I don't think if you did if you didn't think that way, you wouldn't have got where you are. So that place of of, of keeping yourself aligned to I need to keep up and I need to stay focused. And for some reason that opportunity you grasped with two hands and and actually went with it and i think we at that stage we were eSafe was still a very much a small growing entity we needed to try and you know, make a presence in the marketplace and you took it on with two hands but anyway tell us about the fact that you saw these i got to be as good as the next guy or i got to be better <laughs> than the guy next to me i had to be because you know particularly with the my attitude was different back there i was younger so i mm. thought this other person's going to have it in the bag. He's got the personal relationship. It turns out, lucky for me, that person dropped out of the race. It wasn't their future neither, and that was great. So um, I got married, went on my honeymoon. I returned. I remember this specifically. I, I flew back in from Hong Kong, and I landed uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning, and by 7 o'clock I had a phone call from the CEO at the time, I believe, saying, Ben, you've got the job. Need you to come in this morning if you can at 9am. So I left the airport after, a, I think it was 8 or 10 hour flight. 
uh, went home, had a shower, and went straight into the office. And that was the start of my journey. That was the start of my management career. <laughs> it's off, it's off the plate. Off at 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 that time in your life where you were obviously looking for an opportunity because you know you had had a had a family now that was uh, where you had a marriage that was ready to go, and you needed to consider all those choices about the future. But you needed to get a stability in your life. And I know that uh, I've just talked to you, and at that time you met me and you and we had a bit of a chat, but you did share with me that you did go through a period um, as a young tagger that was a little bit controversial because you got caught up in the, in, in the world of, of uh, you know, you can get distracted when you're 17, 18, all of that, and you did get distracted, but somehow you were able to survive those distractions and you said you got pretty close to, to, to catching and to getting involved in some things that you probably look at that and go, boy, that was a bit dangerous and a bit a bit crazy. And can you tell us anything about some of those things and what that was like as a teenager? Without going into too much detail, I think I think like everyone, you, you get caught in your surroundings. So, you know, I was probably particularly 16 through 18 um, maybe 15 through 18, just got caught up in my surrounds and the people I was around and what we were doing and, and just did a lot of silly stuff, you know, and my father was a police officer, so... Um, yes, yes, that's a, everybody, I know you might know this, but that uh, Ben's father had a very long career down at Port Adelaide and uh, his role at Port Adelaide lasted for how many years was that, Ben? I think 42. And I think that was a record or something because he... He was at at Port Adelaide as a, and he got to the position of uh, where was it? The he Anana? was he was senior sergeant. I think if there was a record, it would be uh, longevity at Fort Lugs at the training facility. He was there for quite a long time, um, but forty two. I think it's forty two years in, in the force in total. So, yeah, I gave him some difficult. Well, there was times. there was obviously <laughs> as you were, as you were young, you, your your dad's uh, you know in the force, and you got to think, and he might have had that. And I, and I've met your dad many times, the most gracious, most beautiful man who is just understanding and has seen seen so much, and yet he doesn't want to tell stories or carry on. He doesn't want to become a victim of of his job. He says, "I was there helping a lot of people, and I was grateful mm. to have done that." And he did. And he, he served the community as he did, and, he, and I think he's proud of that. But I notice him as a very gracious man, a beautiful man. He must have been an example to you. But also I was thinking about that when you were a younger man and thinking about the level of some expectation around what you should and shouldn't do because your dad's a policeman. And, and I saw a little rebel come. You told me, you know, there was, a, there was a rebel in there maybe. But maybe that's also from a school place, from a place that uh, Port Adelaide... Were you living at Port Adelaide at the time? When the, when we were in North Haven. We grew up North in Haven, North Haven, yeah. Um, and that was good. I spent a lot of time on the other side of the railway line. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the railway line. But um, <laughs> What school was that? <laughs> I know. I, I went to a, a good school and my parents worked really hard to get four of us into private school, but I'm not sure why I did some of the silly stuff that we went through. There was no real reason. I think it was just getting caught up in the people I was around, being part of the crew and, and occasionally, you know, trying to lead in that area, you know, the same way you do as you grow up in management. You know, you, you sort of find yourself working towards, you know, trying to lead in those areas. And, yeah, I mean, the, there were some silly, difficult things that I did. I think sometimes it's caught up with manhood because you get to an age where you want to grow quicker than you can and these opportunities to get involved in, you know, th- some things that are a little less lawful 
are, are sometimes there, there's a belief there's a quick buck to be made. And also there's this idea that you can grow quicker in the responsibility when you're in that little clan-type group and then you might do things that are not really clever. But the, I think some of those groups actually use the youthful mm. I don't know whether it's vulnerability or the youthful energy that that can, you, I can do it. I'm going to do it. So you go and do some silly things. But you see it happen all the time in these in these organisations. And obviously, you know, you, you can get seduced by some of that feeling. I'm a man, and I'm going to have a go, and let's go, let's go and do these silly things. But you pulled yourself out of it, and uh, it was interesting. You got very close. I know you said there was a there was events that made you think, oh god, I'm, I, this is a point where if I choose to keep going down this path. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to end up doing some time. Yeah, probably more so um, feeling, uh, you know, the doing time side. I'd, I'd, but more so a couple of incidents, events happened where I had to just pull it in. It was getting a bit too silly and uh, and I met my wife. That sort of settles you down. And Kira is just so. such a real peaceful, intensely lovely person. And tell us that what happened there. How, how old were you there and and when did you meet and how did you meet the beautiful Kira? <laughs> Not sure I want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was 21 and Kira was 16 when we met, um, mm. which was... Uh, Unorthodox at best. Well, sort of and sort of not. I mean, obviously, 16, 16, and 21, you're young, and it's probably looked upon as, as I know what you're saying, young and very young, but somehow something was, was sacredly beautiful at that moment because there you are finding each other and the love is still alive and f- flourishing now, you Absolutely. know, when we see you. So that's <laughs> so beautiful to know, to know that the love is still there and, and, you know, you've just finished coming back from the Flinders Ranges together and... You know, you, you, you're always in a place where you can see the joy and the love. But anyway, keep going on. You were 21, she was 16. Um, oh, there's a song about that. She was only... <laughs> <laughs> we might have to play that one later on. Yeah, and, and I think I was in a stage where I wasn't yeah, you're looking. Pop- no, no, anything, that, um, and often that's the way, isn't it? And I don't think Kira liked me at first, so... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you don't like me. <laughs> I had this air of arrogance about me because I, I thought don't I was doubt it. About. I, don't, I don't doubt you're 21. And I think that's what kind of attracted me in the end uh, that she was different. She didn't just uh, f- fall for the crap, for lack of a better way of saying it. And yeah, we stuck it out. And, you know, now, um, what are we? I think we're 15 years of marriage next year and 20 years together. You're getting old, boy. Yeah, it, it all happens, you know. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I remember first seeing Kira and then, you know, not, not like I say, I got to know you when you just first got married and you you were so proud of uh, to be married and to be at that point where you're making those choices and you were proud of your beautiful wife and it was so glorious to see you uh, standing together with the, with the love that you were proud of and that was special it was special and you, and you and you did become very much part of the part of the community as 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 a company as a company we and we I know that you've seen the the changes of in the business as the time has gone by and obviously it's grown and it was a, a smaller tighter community when it's smaller yeah. then it takes its next step and it goes it changes and we've all had to move and change with it mm. and it's been a, a, a an interesting journey but just in, in acknowledging what you've done in that journey, if you were to consider how many technicians were on board in the eSafe business when you started, do you have a, do you remember how many? I would say less than 35. 
Yeah, there was less than 35 um, at that stage. Na- nationally. Though. That was nationally, and there was some people over in Melbourne, a couple in, in, in Perth. Was there? Uh, Perth, Melbourne. We didn't have Sydney at the start or Brisbane. Yeah. So then it was a matter of how do you organise people elsewhere and how do we how do you set up some sort of way or process or how do you make a, a, a system work that can work in a national way? Mm. And then also the technology around the delivery of the service and how you needed to somehow remain competitive. And it was just an evolving use of technology and the use of how do you get people to, to get to the location and the, mm. and, and it's, it's been evolving on how to do it. And the IP, or the intellectual property of, of, of how to do it, I, you've been at the forefront of how, how to do it. And that's an interesting place. Ah, uh, thank you, Ben. What an interesting journey. He's had some past experiences as a young person and uh, really seemed to have learned from them. And then he found uh, Kira and they ended up getting married. Wow, he was uh, only 21 when he met with Kira at 16. But wow, what a lovely, lovely life they've been leading in a beautiful family. Uh, we can hear, we heard about the, Ben's willingness to take on what's next. He like had this way of communicating, but he stayed calm. Ben's an interesting fellow. That was great episode one. We're looking forward to episode two. Thanks, everyone. That's another episode from Podcast with Paul. Special thanks, everyone. Remember to keep an eye out for our next exciting episode with more fun special guests. Find out more of what we're all about and look up the Laughter Project. Hey, everyone. Be happy.